Hello everyone. Welcome to another Brilliant Science Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Moriarty, and joining me today on the phone from Pleasanton, California, is my very special guest, Kelly Kahara. How are you going, Kelly? Good. How are you doing? Fabulous. So how long have you been at Biorad? What's your role? Uh, I've been with Biorad for four years. I Biorad was my first corporate job after 12 years in academic research. Uh, and so right now my role at Biorad is a market development scientist at our digital biology center. And what I do is I work with all of our technologies that come out of the DBC, including Droplet Digital PCR and our newest edition, Droplet Digital Single Cell RNA Sequencing. Whoa, that's a mouthful. <laughs> RNA-seq for short. RNA-seq for short. Okay, good. I was going to say there must be some fancy acronym that people are using for that. <laughs> or our trade name, DD-seq. So with DD-seq, you're looking at single cells, is that right? That's correct. Okay. We're looking at hundreds to thousands of single cells. And why do you want to look at a single cell as opposed to, you know, just a biopsy of something? Like, what's the benefit to that? Uh, the number one reason we find is that investigators want to look uh, at a heterogeneous population of cells. So, for instance, peripheral blood mononuclear cells, or PBMCs, are immune cells that are isolated from the blood, and they're made up of a mixture of cells. So you have T cells, B cells, NK cells, uh, monocytes, all in this, uh, this PBMC sample. So if you want to do downstream analysis like qPCR, uh, Western blotting, or sequencing, you would have to do analysis on the bulk sample. So oh. that means all of the cells mixed together. Okay. And what single cell experiments allow you to do is to get the resolution of what's happening in each specific subpopulation of cells. Uh, and furthermore, you can do this on lots of subpopulations, so your T cells, your B cells, your monocytes. And this is all from a heterogeneous sample. Basically, you can start with a heterogeneous sample that has many different cell types, and single cell allows you to study each one um, as an individual subpopulation or individual cell. Got it. So then do you have to do any uh, isolation of the specific cell populations prior to doing the DDSeq or just by, you know, by doing the DDSeq, they, they kind of fall into the buckets that way? Uh, you know, people that do cell sorting experiments, they're used to getting their cells into single cell suspension all the time before they do their cell sorting experiments. So really, any protocol that an investigator has for cell sorting can be used upstream of DDSeq. Okay, so the key there is to make a single cell population are people doing anything upstream of that? You, you mentioned cell sorting. Are people doing experiments where they're perhaps sorting just their T cells and then taking those T cells, making them into single cells, and then doing the DDSeq? Uh, we recently actually paired with our cell sorting team at BioRed to look at a very rare population of cells, the hematopoietic stem and progenitor cells, or HSPCs. Uh, they exist in less than 0.1% of the leukocyte population. And so what we did was we enriched via the CD45 and CD34 marker, uh, which CD34 is specific for HSPCs. And we used uh, adult sorter to look at 2,000 of this very, very rare cell type. Uh, we did this with 
DDSeq, and what we were able to find are three subpopulations of this very rare cell population. Hmm. And this was really exciting for us and really showed us the power of this technology when you pair it with another technology like cell sorting. Mm -hmm. So you can use the cell sorting upstream to enrich for a very rare population, in our instance, less than 0.1%. And then you can find subpopulations within this rare population using DDSeq experiments. So that would be extremely valuable because if you're looking, say, for traces of a tumor that might be floating around the body, that type of pre-enrichment maybe would come in handy? So it's very hard to isolate pure tumor cells. Mm -hmm. Um, So the benefit of single cell sequencing is that even if your sample is only 90% pure, you can actually isolate out the 10% that are normal cells and just look at the 90% of your tumor population. Um, or even if your tumor cells represented 10% of your total population, single cell technology allows you just to look at those cancer cells. So how, you know, how on earth did you become interested in this single cell technology and single cell analysis? Back when I was in academia, we had this collaboration and we were working with a transgenic mouse model and we knew it only had 40% knockdown of our gene of interest. And so when we were doing bulk qPCR measurements, we weren't able to see any differences in many of the genes that were of interest to us in our diabetes research. So what we decided to do was to do a single cell experiment with the idea being that if we could just look at the cells in which we knew our knockdown was really good, then we might see differences in gene expression in those cells um, in our control versus disease state. Uh, However, when we did this, and we did this back in 2010, uh, the experiments were very laborious. We sorted into 96-well plates, Mm -hmm. and we were never able to get great data from these experiments because uh, our bioinformaticists always told us that we needed more cells. (laughs) So unfortunately, (laughs) the experiments didn't work for us at the time, but I really saw what the power of single-cell analysis could do for us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, fast forward to now, and it's really, truly exciting for me to see single cell analysis where we're looking at hundreds to thousands of cells. It's increased the throughput immensely versus our old plate-based experiments. You know, you talk about thousands of cells, tens of thousands of cells, and I'm guessing that every single cell gives off uh, a large amount of data right? Um, The data analysis itself just must be pretty overwhelming. (laughs) It can be, but we have tools to help with the data analysis. Oh, right. Um, So we partnered with Illumina, and we co-launched this product. Uh, Illumina, you know, came to us because we're experts in droplet technology, and we designed the instrument based off of our uh, DDPCR instrument. Uh, We both co- um, co-branded and co-made all of the reagents for DDSeq, and then we use Illumina sequencers in order to sequence our libraries. Um, so the FASTQs are, or the primary data, are generated on an Illumina sequencer, mm-hmm. and then Illumina has created an app in their base space hub, which does secondary analysis of single cell files. Wow. Uh, what that means is it takes all of those reads and it um, deconvolutes the cellular barcode, Mm -hmm. it aligns them to the reference genome, Mm -hmm. and it tells you how many 
unique molecular IDs or UMIs per cell that you have and how many genes per cell that you have. So really, uh, a scientist can do a single cell experiment, uh, put it through the app, mm-hmm. uh, and then have their data processed and get on to understanding the biology behind it, their experiment. And that's really important because I know um, from my days back in the lab, you know, you, you spend three to six months designing an experiment, you run the experiment, and then you spend the next however many months doing the analysis. And it seems like the the solution that you've developed in collaboration with Illumina is something that considered all those factors and you really are hoping to get that answer from the data earlier so that you know the the experiments can move on to the next step and the next stage right absolutely and you don't have to wait in in line for a bioinformaticist to run the analysis (laughs) you literally um within an hour or two can get this data analyzed through the um, base space app that's so cool so with all of that in mind how are people using it? You know, what, what cool things are people doing around single cell right now? So we're always working with collaborators and academia. Recently, we did this really cool experiment uh, where we looked um, and samples from healthy tissue and inflamed tissue uh, that were from patients that had a gut disease. And what's really cool about this experiment is that this is a notoriously difficult area to sample from mm-hmm. due to the heterogeneity of the cell types um, that are within that sample. So we literally had a patient in the OR in the morning. Wow. We got a sample of the tissue uh, later in the morning, and then their team processed the sample. And within that sample, there are fat cells, gut cells, infiltrating <laughs> immune cells, uh, and even bacterial cells. Ew. And so we were able to put these samples through DDSeq mm-hmm. uh, and able to look at the different subpopulations of cells and see differences in gene expression between uh, the healthy tissue and the inflamed tissue from the same patient, mm-hmm. as well as samples from uh, one disease versus a different disease. Wow. That's that's really cool. <laughs> All for like in a couple of hours time. That's amazing. So it's really beneficial. I can imagine there's lots of other really exciting, interesting work going on around single cell. So let's say you could look ahead from today and you had a crystal ball to the future of single cell analysis. You know, what do you hope? What do you hope for the future? Well, I would really love to have a database of single cell experiments, just like we have for RNA, RNA-seq experiments and microarrays uh, via the NCBI GEO website. Uh, these single cell experiments, we're getting a wealth of new information um, and we're finding novel markers for subpopulations of cells that are different from the canonical markers that we've used uh, from cell sorting experiments. So because this technology allows you to identify new subpopulations of cells based on their gene expression, I would love to have a database where you could enter in the top genes um, of a subpopulation that you sequence, Mm -hmm. and it would identify what that subpopulation is based on other single-cell experiments. Hmm. So, you know, lots of sharing of knowledge among the community. Mm -hmm. 
In addition to single-cell RNA sequencing experiments, there are also many new technologies uh, that are also coming up in the single-cell landscape. Uh, so, for instance, we can add on information about protein expression on a single-cell level, uh, both for surface markers and for internal markers. There's also full-length RNA-seq, so you can start to interrogate splice variants. Mm -hmm. uh, ATAC-seq, so that's sequencing of open chromatin uh, to look at the epigenetics on a single cell level, oh. uh, as well as SNP identification at the DNA level, uh, where you could identify what SNP is in the single cell and then see what the transcript is as well. So it's definitely a really exciting space, and a lot of these new technologies are made possible because of um, the droplet technology that we have. Mm -hmm. um, so I really think that this space is going to um, see a huge growth and a new wealth of many applications mm -hmm. will come up. And then so from a translational patient perspective, how, how do you see this kind of moving into the clinic? Uh, so we've done a lot of studies where we've just taken healthy PBMCs from different patients. And what's really interesting is that you can identify uh, subject one from subject two based on, you know, differences in their gene expression. Oh. So the uh, profile, the transcriptome profile that you get from patients can uh, be used as a molecular signature, uh, just as our DNA is a molecular signature. The transcriptome can be a molecular signature uh, for different patients. And we did an experiment where we had two subjects that we thought were both healthy, and we isolated PBMCs from them. And when we looked at the uh, ratio of the different subpopulations within these subjects, we saw that subject one had a much greater percentage of monocytes uh, than subject two did or what is typically reported using cell sorting experiments. And so, you know, unexpected to us, we realized that subject one had actually been sick. And so they were oh. uh, having an immune response, and we can actually see this in an up um, regulation of the number of monocytes that were in their PBMC population. Wow. Having this resolution to kind of quantify the different subpopulations can really give us um, indications of what's happening with this patient, whether they're healthy or um, something is happening because of the disease that they have. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where your database that you talked about earlier would come in handy because then you could troll back through and look at the signatures and be able to make those connections. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, in my dream for this database would not only be the identification of the different subpopulations of cells or rare cell types, uh, but also knowing the quantity of the cells and what is normal versus what is not. Mm -hmm. I could really see this being a marker for disease mm -hmm. in the future. All right, so one last question. This is my fun question. If, <laughs> if you could go back in time to when you were just starting out in the lab, what advice would you give to your younger self? Wow, that is a really good question. <laughs> um, you know, I think I would say always go to the experts and don't reinvent the wheel and try to figure out how to do an experiment for the first time on your own mm -hmm. uh, because you will spend a lot of time figuring it out by yourself. BioRad was my first experience in industry after 
12 years in academic research, and when I came here, I was really blown away with the extent to which uh, BioRed's R&D scientists vet a protocol or a new instrument, uh, and really just how much they know about their technology. You know, they are perfecting Western blots. Mm -hmm. um, so if I could go back in time, I think I would tell my younger self, you know, use the field application scientists and tech support scientists more as, you know, they are, they have so much information um, and they really love to help customers. And I think that getting high quality data really fast allows you to do more research quickly, uh, which is both important for academia as well as industry. I like that answer. That's that's really good advice. <laughs> and uh, we're not just saying that because that's part of your job too, are you? <laughs> well, I am on the other side and I love helping customers. Right. Uh, and, you know, we really are partners in mm -hmm. this journey. Um, they are the experts on their biology and I can bring expertise on our technology. And it's just so much fun to see it all come together and just see the excitement when we get good quality data. Fantastic. And I think that's a great place to leave it for this podcast. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today. Thanks, everyone, for joining me in this brilliant science podcast. To listen to other podcasts and subscribe to this series, please go to bioradiations.com. BioRad is a trademark of BioRad Laboratories Incorporated in certain jurisdictions. All trademarks used herein are the property of their respective owner.